Grace and peace, grace and peace. How art thou? Outside of the retirement, there was random muscles. Well, you should almost be past that first trimester, right? It shouldn't be too much longer with that. I'm excellent just getting in. My phone was dead, so I'm a few minutes behind.
All right, grace and peace. The Lord bless you. I am going to just get started here. I'm starting a, uh, an hour later than usual. Um, I was coming from one side of the town to the other. My phone was dead. and uh, So, nonetheless, I... Uh, we're going to pray a little bit and uh, grace and peace and we are going to um, uh, do a little bit of uh, Bible study and, uh, and then continue into the week. If you have not already, um, be sure to uh, take a listen to my latest podcast. It's available both on iPhones as well as uh, uh, Android devices in uh, iTunes and in Google Play and on Podbean. Uh, so check it out. Um, I'll be teaching tonight along the same lines as um, what I shared in a, a podcast uh, this week. And I'll be um, teaching on this uh, throughout the next several weeks, um, as it is a uh, conviction that I, I want you to grasp. Convictions are essential to um, developing kingdom character. Your character or your demonstrated character is a revelation of your internal convictions. The character that is seen externally reveals uh, the convictions that are housed internally. Uh, you can tell what your values are, uh, what your convictions are by what you do. Uh, and not just in a singular action because, of course, you know, everybody, all of us have done something <clears throat> outside of character before. But I mean, in terms of a pattern of life, a pattern of being, a, a pattern of living, reoccurring uh, uh, patterns and cycles, uh, actions reveal convictions. Put that on the screen. Actions reveal convictions. And what are your actions saying about your convictions, about the values of your life, about the priorities uh, of your life, about the order of your life? If Matthew, the... Sixth chapter in the 33rd verse gives us an instruction to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Then there's an obvious, an obvious um, revelation of your idea of righteousness in your priorities. Seek first. That's an instruction of priorities, the kingdom and his righteousness. So what you identify to be right, righteous, the right way of doing things, seeing things, approaching things, uh, will be uh, revealed in priorities. Um, and, you know, many, uh, many people just, you know, live life and let things, let the chips fall where they may. And uh, those are not uh, people who will... Uh, ever 
reach the apex of God's desire for their life. Um, but people who are deliberate about properly placing things, whether that's a schedule, whether that's emotions or influences or thoughts, thought patterns, uh, whatever, your prioritization of things uh, reveals your values and reveals uh, what your idea about um, about what is right. Um, let's look at um, go to Matthew the sixth chapter. Matthew the sixth chapter. Matthew the sixth chapter. So Matthew chapter number six, as we have uh, um, looked at um, several times um, and, you know, built conversations on, on several times um, leading up to the 33rd verse, the, the instruction that is uh, given in the 33rd verse is a summation or a conclusion after uh, a, you know a discourse about what consumes our minds um, what consumes our thoughts um, what consumes our worries what causes us to worry um, you know does the bird, do the birds of the air, do they plant? They don't plant, but they eat. They don't sow, don't they? they don't eat. The flowers of the field, they're clothed, but they do nothing or not you higher than they. So Jesus goes to this whole, um, you know, this whole dialogue, this, this whole discourse about, um, about the order of influence in our life. What is influencing you? What is impressing upon you, upon your mind, upon your, your thoughts? Um, and then he says, after all of that, concludes with, seek ye first. So obviously the, the idea is that if you are consumed by all of these other things, you're not seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. All right, that the implication is that if you are thinking like this, then there's a problem in your values and in your, uh, in your values uh, system. And, um, and so I want us to, uh, to look at several things. Um, on Monday night, Elijah, grace and peace. On Monday night, uh, in one of the home Bible studies, we we took a look at at several things, um, uh, but the conversation uh, uh, concluded in talking about the will of God, and I want to talk tonight about being in the will of God. The question I want to pose to you. 
the question I want you to uh, to think um, on is, what is the value of being in the will of God in your life? What's the value of being in the will of God? And we can assess the value of a thing, your perceived value of a thing, by what you are willing to spend for it, what you're willing to pay for it. And I'm going to show you uh, Jesus' mind on the subject matter. What is the value that your life, that you place on being in the will of God. And you answer the question by assessing what are you willing to spend in order to either obtain it or maintain it? What is it that you're willing to, to transact, to transfer? You know, you go into a store, you spend, you transfer money, you exchange money for whatever it is you're attempting to obtain. So as it relates to the being in the will of God, what is it that you are willing to spend? What is the exchange that is made in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your values, in whatever, for being in the will of God? And then we could, we could flip that, going back to the natural, right? I'd spend money for whatever it is that I want to obtain. Well, in order to obtain money, I spend something there too. I spend time. So I exchange, it's always an exchange. And I exchange, I give up time to obtain money, right? So I find the money valuable enough to spend time for it. I find the food enough to spend, uh, uh, valuable enough to spend money for it. What is the value that you place on being in the will of God. I should on Monday night that there are three wills that are always at play and always at work. And, and again, I'm going to show you uh, in, in these next couple of minutes, um, those of you that you know are coming on later, I'm going to show you though in the next couple of minutes how high on the values list, the priorities list, Jesus uh, uh, placed being in the will of, of God. Um, so three wills. Number one, sovereign will. All right, number one, sovereign will. All right, number two. There is free will. Number two, free will. And then number three, there is specific will. Grace and peace, Brother Kevin. All right? Sovereign will, free will, specific will. Let's start with free will. Free will is a central value to... God's uh, uh, primary ethic, and God's primary ethic is love, right? 
The love ethic is God's primary ethic uh, and the most central value to the, the love ethic is free will. All right. The most central value to the love ethic is free will. If free will is removed, then the opportunity to love, because in the conversation of love is the presupposition that there was an opportunity to reject. Right? When we talk about love, the presumption and the presupposition is that I have chosen to love and I can only choose to love because I had an opportunity to reject. So free will is central. You can't separate free will from the love of God. So he gives us free will. Go and choose. Free will is given to mankind from the beginning. Genesis, the first chapter. Sets Adam and Eve in the garden and tells them in the garden, okay, two trees there, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat of it, right? All the other trees, you can eat of it. So he sets him in the garden and gives him the opportunity to exercise free will with the risk, with the risk, watch this, that he would reject him. Why would God do that? Because number one, there's no love without a choice. Number two, there's no dominion without an opportunity to have fallen subject. Can't take dominion over something that I haven't first subjected. Grace and peace, right? So puts it there, says you got a choice. You can take it or you cannot take it. God does not, here's how much God honors wills. God does not violate Adam's free will. Even though God foreknew before putting Adam in the garden, he foreknew what he would do. He still gave him the opportunity to do it, knowing that he would do it. Gave him the opportunity rather to not do it, knowing that he would do it because he honored the will. So we have free will. Specific will is, is, is a term that I use to define God's specific intent, specific desire, his specific plan for your life, right? What God's specific plan for you, who he wants you to be, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, when he wants you to do it. All of that is specific to God's order, to God's plan, God's desire for your life. It's his specific will. So we have free will. We have specific will. The number three, sovereign will. The sovereign will of God is God's ultimate will for the earth project. What is God's ultimate goal? Not looking microscopically at an individual, but looking macroscopically at the whole picture. What is God's sovereign intent, sovereign plan, his overarching plan and intention for the earth project, subsequently for his people in the earth. We understand that God's primary agency 
for the expression of his dominion in the earth is the church. It is the ecclesia. Uh, uh, and we understand that it is it's through that primary agency that his sovereign will towards humanity, right, towards a particular race of people, towards a particular space of time, towards a particular dispensation, sovereign will. So we got free will, we have specific will, we have sovereign will. Each of those wills must remain properly interdependently connected. To separate one of those wills from the others of those wills, of those wills is to violate those other wills. Right? God in his sovereignty being omniscient, must then plan for your free will and the decisions that your free will will make, even those decisions that are outside of his will, right? He must plan for it or else he will violate your free will. God did not plan Adam to fall, but he did plan on Adam falling so that the fall did not mess up his sovereign will, his ultimate will for the earth. But Adam violated God's specific will, his specific assignment for his life. He violated the specific will at the, in, in order to make use of the liberty of his free will. I, I, I hope you're, you're understanding this. How often do we use free will as our license to violate God's sovereign will, the overarching purpose, focus, or specific will? Look at Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter number five. Galatians chapter number five, right? Verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, but do not use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. We have been, been looking at uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, number five uh, over the past several weeks. Uh, of the of the series on on unfailing love, uh, matter of fact, let's look at that. Second Corinthians chapter number five. We need to lay a foundation for the rest of the revelation. Second Corinthians chapter number five, verse number fifteen: that he died for all, that they which should live should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we've got to keep within perspective. We 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 we've got to keep within perspective. The harmony, the synchronization that should be and must remain within the wills, free will, should not violate specific will and certainly should not violate God's sovereign will. Why? Because God's sovereign will will not violate your free will. This is why I say we take advantage of one of God's greatest men. Indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, so 
God has in his list of priorities an order. I posed this question, um, I don't know, maybe it was Sunday morning in, at the church in Greenville, I don't know. Does your priorities look like God's? Do your priorities look like God's? Go to Matthew, the 19th chapter. Matthew, the 19th chapter. We're talking about the value of being in the will of God. Matthew, the, the 19th chapter. Are y'all catching this? And um, look at look at verse number twenty-three. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "Verily I say unto you, a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God." When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed and saying, who then can be saved? What, what is Jesus responding to? The rich man, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, says, listen, I've, I've kept all of the law. Didn't kill nobody, you know, didn't steal, not an adulterer. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, seeing as how you've done all of that, you've been a good person. The ultimate test that you must pass is the submission to my will test. Here's what I want you to do. He tells the rich young man, take all that you have, sell it and give the money away to the poor. The rich young ruler is immediately broken. That's what the Bible says. Verse 22, he's immediately sorrowful. Why? Because he says, listen, all that I have. See, for the rich man, his possessions were of value to him. And remember now, we said in, in the beginning that I can identify the value you place on something by what you're willing to spend to obtain it. Jesus asks the man, can you spend, wasn't about the money or the stuff. Jesus didn't have a problem with him being rich. He asks him, can you spend what is most valuable to you. I want you to assess what is the most valuable thing to you. Is it money? Is it cars? Is it your space? Is it your, your right to do what you want to do, to be grown? Is it family, marriage, children, whatever it is? Are you willing to spend it in order to obtain or to remain in the will of God. 
Now, behind this must be the element of faith. See, I only have a problem spending something when I don't believe there's more where it came from. I, I, if I don't believe I'm going to get it back, then I want to hold on to it. But if I believe I'll get it back or there's more where it came from, then listen, whatever, I can get that again. That's why Abraham was, was given such a footprint in the earth. Give away what you have power over to obtain the true meaning of what true power. Indeed. That's it, Elijah. Abraham had such a footprint in the earth. Watch this. Because he took what to the natural eye was his only son. It's the most valuable thing he has. It's taken him so long to get it. And it's delayed. Hey Amen. Bishop, I got to drive. <laughs> Didn't even know there's more than what he already possesses. Indeed. He, he took him forever to get it. The Bible says, in order to stay in the will of God, Abraham doesn't want to use his free will, his liberty, as an occasion to violate God's specific will for the sovereign purpose in the earth. So Abraham takes his only son. He's going to exchange it. The will of God for my son. And notice what happens. An immediate the law of reciprocity. You cannot give to God and he not return greater to you. Abraham, hold it. Don't harm the lad. Ram over in the bush. And because you were willing to spin what you had in order to stay in my will, your seed will be as the sand of the sea. He was only supposed to have one. That was the end of it. But his lineage now couldn't be numbered as the sand. What an inability to spend in order to maintain the will of God reveals is that you don't have faith in God's credit. You're acting like God's got a credit problem in your life. He put in time to obtain what he didn't need. Reciprocity. Indeed. You're acting like God has bad credit. You know, I, God, I, I can't give that up right now. Can't, can't, can't do that right now. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No. I, I, in the recess of your mind, the unconscious mind is the idea, even if it's not a conscious thought, it's the unconscious that I'm not going to get it back. So, so if, if I give up my right to be right, if I give up my ego, if I give up, you know, all of these extra feelings, if I give up this time, if I give up this money, if I give up this, whatever it is, I won't get it back. Go, go back to Matthew uh, chapter number 19. So Jesus says, listen, all that you have, that's a value to you. Here's the, here's the test. His, here is the will test. Can I tell you what to do with what's important to you? 
Can I give you an instruction and you follow it with what's important to you? Or do you have this partition? God hears everything else, but this over here, I've got to run this. Family, career, finances, wealth, savings, education, whatever it is. Now, God, all this stuff, car, I don't care about no car, house, I don't care about no, whatever is unimportant to you, God, listen, you whatever you say with that, that's what I'm going to do. But this over here, no, I've got to run this part. The Bible says that Jesus tells, says then, listen, uh, there's a problem, y'all. The disciples are flabbergasted. The disciples say, well, Jesus, they, they catch the revelation. They understand it's not about the money and the stuff. They ask him, who then can be saved? Go to Luke chapter number 14. Five more minutes, I'll be done. Luke chapter number 14. So again, we see the value by your willingness to spend. Can I even give you the promise out? You know, the reward, all you have to do is do it his way. Indeed. All right, Luke 14, 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters. Yes, his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Now, in order for this to carry the weight that it needs to carry, you need to, to look into the backdrop of who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is talking to a community of people who has at its center family. These are family people. And he says to them, if you come to me and you don't hate, now when he, when, when this word hate in the English, it, 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 it's, not, uh, it, it's not again uh, talking about some emotion of, of evil, some imprecatory, feeling uh, uh, towards them. It's, it's not, you know, the, the disdain that, uh, that, that we think of when we think about, about hate. It's, it's not the, the feelings that, uh, you know, that, that, that we carry. Uh, what that, what it literally means, again, it means to love less anybody comes to me and doesn't love their mother less than they love me, doesn't mean you don't love your mother. Doesn't love your father less than you love. Doesn't mean you don't love your father. Look what else he says. It doesn't stop there. He says, and your wife, your wife, your husband, your children, your brothers and sisters, you cannot be my disciple 
you may be his beneficiary, but you're not his disciple. If there is anything in your life that you love as much as you love God and being in the will of God. I love my parents, but I don't love them as much as I love the Lord. I don't love them as much as I love being in the will of God. I, I love my wife, but I don't love her as much as I love the Lord or as much as I love being in the will of God. I may love the people that are around me, the things that I have opportunity to see and do, but I don't love it as much. I got, you have to love it less. And then look what he says. Anyone who does not bear his cross. Bear it. Elijah, you know, I've been saying for the longest I was going to do it like a, a Bible commentary, but I've got to find, I've got to find like four years of just sabbatical to do that. Anyway, he says, he says, listen, I'm clear that this is not a light thing. He said, if you don't bear your cross, come after me. You can't be the disciple. Now watch this. Verse 28. Here's where I'm getting to. Verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost to see if you have enough to finish it? After, less after you have laid the foundation, you're not able to finish it. Everybody begins to mock you. So watch this. Watch this. Here's, here's what it's saying. What is this tower? It's not talking about like a physical house. It's talking about your spiritual house. If you set out to build this spiritual house, this spiritual man, but you didn't count up the cost, what it was going to cost, what you would have to exchange in order to obtain the materials to build the house you're setting out to build. He said, you'll get halfway down the building project. You were talking in faith. You were running strong. You were in prayer. You were in Bible study. You were in church. Come on. You were honoring the Lord. And you'll get down the road and say, wait a minute. Oh, this is costing too much. This is costing me too much. This is this costing too much of my emotions, costing me too much of my time, costing me too much of my money. It's costing me too much of my family, costing me too much of my desires, my goals, costing me too much. Then he says halfway down, you quit the project and now everybody mocks you. Well, you were talking all that church stuff. You were doing all that faith talking. And now your house is there incomplete. Have you ever met somebody with an incomplete house? Come on, you can hear the traces of a half-built wall. Every now and again, that spirit man, the, the, the word of God, the mind of God, the faith would talk. But it was a half-built wall. And you could hear that they didn't have enough to finish their house. When you allow anything to pull you out of the will of God, what you're saying is that's not valuable enough. No. The cost doesn't justify, or rather the value doesn't justify the cost. I can't give up my child for the will of God. No, I can't do that. I can't give up my, 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 my dream career at this time in this moment even though it takes me way somewhere that God doesn't desire me to be, I can't give that up to be in the will of God. So then we violate God's specific will using our free will.
Hear me, free will was never designed to drive your life. Free will is designed to be the vehicle, not the driver. Sovereign will should be what drives the vehicle of your free will. I can do what I want to do, but I don't do what I want to do because my free will is a vehicle that's being driven by the sovereign will. He leads me. He guides me. He directs. And hear me. God's will will never violate his word. I can always tell if somebody is really pursuing the will of God by whether or not pursuing it causes them to violate his word. Are, are, are you catching this? Are you catching this? I would rather be broken in the will than rich and out of it. I would rather have no family and be in the will than have a house full and be out of it. I would rather have no education and be in the will than to have a wall full of degrees and be out of it. Not because, not because God wants me broke or has a problem with me having an education or has a problem with me having a family, but because I cannot equally love both. Are you understanding this? Are you understanding this? So then the work becomes reconciling my free will with God's specific will within the context of his sovereign will. You know, when I have folk coming and telling me they're doing stuff because the Lord told them to do it. And then I watch what they're doing. I watch how they're doing it. And I watch how much it violates the order of God and the plan of God. And then I'm clear, God didn't tell you to do that because God will never violate his word in order to fulfill your specific will. Psalm chapter 37. Watch this. I'd rather be miserable in the will and happy out of it. Not because he got a problem with me being happy, but because if my happiness comes to the expense of being in his will, my happiness has become my God. Psalm 37, verse 4. Matter of fact, Verse uh, number three, trust in the Lord and do good. And so shall thou dwell in the land. And verily thou shalt be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring to pass. Now, we read verse number four. 
Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And we isolate that out of its context to, and we make ourselves believe that God will give us whatever we want. That God will give us whatever we desire. That's not what it's saying. We have to read within context. We have to read verse number four within the context of verse number five. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Give him government over your ways and he shall bring it, what's it, his specific will for your life to pass. You don't just get to do whatever you want to do in the name of this is the will of God. And then you mask your will. You put God's specific will on your will like it's a garment. No, you, you, you've mastered. That ain't the will of God. When he says he will give you the desires of your heart, the punctuation messes us up. And it's important that you remember that there was no punctuation in the original manuscripts. All of this has been added. There was no punctuation in the original writing. Delight yourself in the Lord. Make him your delight. And then he will give you your desires. He did not say that he would give you what you desire. He will give you your desires. He will put the desires in you. He will give you the desire. Come on. So it's not that my will and what I desire is what God now has to go and work for. No, he puts a desire in me. Glory to God. And when I yield my ways to him, he brings to pass what he put on the inside of me. Come on. And the way you can often tell when you're in the will of God, hallelujah, the way you can often tell when you're really pursuing the will of God is when the desire is one that you know does not come naturally to you. That can't, that's not your desire. You wouldn't want that. You wouldn't tolerate that. You wouldn't put up with that. Come on, you wouldn't have a hunger for that. But there's a desire that is not your, it's because he's given you the desire. He gave you that desire. Not that he'll give you what you desire. He will give you what to desire. Here's what you need to desire. Come on, you'll find yourself having a grace for what you didn't have grace for. Come on, you'll find yourself having, having uh, an appetite for what you didn't have an appetite for. Come on, you'll find yourself making the sacrifices for what before you would never sacrifice, giving up what you, before you, what you would never before give up. But it's because he's given you what to desire. Are you understanding this? So when the Lord, y'all, you've heard my, my testimony. When the Lord chose me, I made a commitment many years ago that nothing would get me out of or, or bring me into conflict with God's sovereign will. So I made a commitment. I didn't care what it was. If it was me, if it was friends, family, that nothing 
Wood. My daughter, Wood. I got to get my background music. <laughs> that nothing would separate me from his will. So when the Lord had made clear his will for me, and that will was taking me geographically away from family. My family didn't agree with it. They didn't like it. But I was so committed to being in the will of God. I did not care. Wasn't because I didn't love them. I just loved them less than I loved him. Are you hearing me? When I was on the Word Network every Tuesday morning between Herman Murray and, and uh, uh, Kimberly Ray and the Lord said to me, come off the TV, come off of television and hide yourself so because you're getting too lifted. I loved his will more than I loved the notoriety that came with being seen on TV every week. I loved his will more than the perks that came along with it. Are you understanding me? When, when I've gotten into conflicts and wanted to react in a certain way or just cut something off or cut somebody off. I love being in his will more than I love my right to be right. Are you understanding? That's what was most important to me. Everything else had to come a very distant second. I was determined my house wasn't going to be incomplete. I wasn't going to set out to build that tower and not have enough to finish it. Come on. When, when I had lost everything, homeless, living out of the trunk of my car, I could have gone right back to work. Now I'm telling you about me. You know, I, I was, I did very well in the car business. I could have gone right back to the car business and made the money like that. I was making $11,000, dollars $13,000 in the car business. I could have gone right back. But I said, no, God, God, God told me. Now, I'm not saying that God told you to come off your job. Okay, I'm telling you what the Lord had told me. I want you to catch the principle. The principle must be. The principle is what I want you to hear. That no matter what it costs, stay in the will. And here's how you can do it. I had the faith when I was living out of the trunk of that car. I had the faith, listen. 
I can be God's giving. Come on. When my family and I were estranged, when I, when I talked to my mother, my mother on the phone crying and screaming, literally. I remember, I remember one time my mother said to me, you make me want, it was something like you make me want to die or something like that. Just something very heart-wrenching. I said, all right, mother, I got to go. I know what the Lord said. And then I released my faith to God. Now, God, I'm obeying you. I'm trusting that you're going to make that right. And guess what? He has exceeding abundantly. He's done more. He's done above. But that's because I committed myself to saying that, well, hear me. The safest place in the world is in the will of God. What are you willing to pay to be in it? What are you, what are you willing to pay? Are you hearing me? What is its value? Every person on here, you've paid a lot for something. I don't know what your something is, but you've paid a lot for something. Whether it's your car, whether it's your house, whether it's clothes. Maybe your payment is not money. Maybe it's something emotional. You paid a lot for your marriage, for your family, for your friends. You've sacrificed a lot. You pay for what you value. Oh, this is a Thompson, Thompson Cheney study Bible. This is one of the best study Bibles there is. It's a King James Version, but it's a Thompson Cheney study Bible. Um, this, is, this is one of the main Bibles I used to study. You will pay when you can see the value. What's the value of the will of God in your life? And I know, and not only do I know, here's where, here's where you got to understand. Jesus knows how heavy that is. He said, take up your cross. He knows it's heavy. He's not acting like this is something easy. And he doesn't have a problem that from time to time you kind of buckle under it. Come on, he doesn't have a problem that sometimes, you know, you're sweating. Because listen, this thing is getting heavy. Because he knows. He can relate to your infirmities. So he doesn't have an issue with that. But at the end of the day, after you get through sweating, after you buckle, after on your way up Golgotha's Hill, you trip. His expectation is get yourself back up and pick up your cross. Whatever it takes. Now watch this. Watch this. I'm talking about me now. In order to obtain what I knew to be God's specific will for me. Excuse me. 
I knew God's specific will for me was to go to the nations. I knew God's specific will for me at that time was to go to Atlanta and, and to plant the work there. I knew God's specific will for me was to leave Lafayette. I knew that was his specific will for me. But because I knew his specific will, I was saying, listen, where, where I am, this ain't for me. This ain't what God wants for me. I was in Lafayette at the time. I was a musician at the time. I knew this is not what God wants for me. And surely you've had that conversation in your mind before. Now, I know God got better. This ain't what God wants for me. So I knew what his specific will was, but then I used my free will to violate his sovereign will in order to obtain the specific will. What do I mean? I completely dishonored my father in order to obtain the specific will in the name of free will. It wasn't that I cussed him out. It wasn't that none of that. I've never, you know, been like that with my father. It's that when I sat in my father's office and I said, Bishop, this is what the Lord has shared with me. And, you know, I don't believe in telling your pastor anything. I believe you submit it and you allow them to judge it. I believe that's what we see in the scriptures. When Samuel thought he heard from the Lord, he went and submitted it to Eli, and Eli gave him instruction. So I said, listen, can you take this into prayer and tell me what the Lord says? My father said, I'm not praying about nothing. I ain't praying about nothing. You're supposed to stay right here, and I ain't praying about nothing. I don't want to hear this again. So I said, all right. Went back to prayer. I, I see clearly what God's specific will is for me. And because I see the specific will, remember now, specific will is the destination. Free will is supposed to be the vehicle, but sovereign will is supposed to be the driver. So I see the destination where I'm supposed to be, specific will. But my free will is now wrestling with the sovereign order in order to get to the specific will. Because sovereign order is obey them that have the rule over you. Sovereign order, the sovereign will of God was to never violate protocol. So I went back to the bishop. I went back to the bishop a second time and said to him, and I had brought my mother in and I brought no, that time was just my father and my mother, the bishop and the pastor. I said, listen, this is what I believe the Lord is, has shared with me. I, can y'all pray about this and, and let me know? My mother got up and said, no, I ain't praying. Mm-mm, mm-mm, uh-uh. She said, Some, somebody been in your ear. <laughs> somebody been in your ear. And my father leans back in his chair and shakes his head. He says, the spirit of Absalom. So now free will rises up. I'm mad. I'm upset because now we mean Absalom. After all, you know, my pride rose. After all I done did for this church, I done did this, I done did that, I done did this. I mean, documented stuff. Uh, uh, church is packed out. You know, I, I said, listen, tell y'all what, tell you what. I didn't get loud. I didn't get disrespectful. I said, here's what I'm going to do. Give me just a minute. I walked over to the other building, cleaned out my office. Pulled my yard sign up, you know, the sign in the yard that had my name on it, reserved parking. I yanked that sign up out of the ground. I went back into the bishop's office. 
I said, here, since you think I'm an Absalom, you think I'm trying to tear up your church, here's the key to your church. Here's that parking sign. I don't need no reserve space. And here's the key to your office. I'm out of here. I'm done. And they couldn't say nothing to me. I wasn't hearing nothing because at this point, my free will had ceased to be the vehicle and had become the driver. Free will is saying, no, I'm growing. And listen, I, got, I, know, I know who I am. I know what I bring to this table. I know. I know who's here because of, free will said, no, I know how valuable I am. My free will violated God's sovereign will. And I left. Left. I was done. And watch this. Watch this now. The Lord. And, and I, I want to make sure I, I phrase this properly. Favor was still evident on my life. Watch this, because God's mind about you doesn't change based on what you do or do not do. His mind is made up about you before you do anything that you do. He's omniscient. So when I, after I did that, I still got to the specific destination. I mean, you know, I was all, all over the world. TV, mega churches. Name synonymous with the prophetic. So I could not judge that I had violated God's sovereign will because of what I was seeing. Because if you're not careful, you will judge whether or not you are in or out of the will of God by what you have. Got the stuff I want, got the house I want, hey, got the peace I want, got the this I want, got the money I want, got the boo I want. You can't judge it by that. You judge it by this word. I had violated sovereign will in order to get to the specific will for the Lord revealed to me in the realm of the spirit there was a glass ceiling I kept hitting it wasn't because doors were shutting because doors were very wide open to me are you understanding me spirit of the Lord said to me you need to go make that right I said, what do you mean? I did, he's the one. I said, he didn't want to pray. I said, he's supposed to be the bishop. He's the, he's the man of God. And I asked him to pray. He didn't want to pray. No, he's wrong. He, he needs to get it right. Holy Spirit said to me, no, you violated the order. God said to me, had you remained in your place, I would have dealt with that. How he would have dealt with it, I don't know. And it ain't my part to know. Maybe he would have made him, made him put me out of the church. <laughs> I don't know. Instead of me walking away, maybe he would have made him walk away from me. I don't know. <laughs> when I went and made it right, the heavens opened up. I had favor not only with man, but I had favor with God. When Saul lost the kingdom in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and Samuel says to Saul, you've lost the kingdom because you disobeyed the Lord. You got out of the will. You've lost the kingdom. 
There was no immediate evidence of it. David was not even born when God told Saul through the prophet Samuel that I've taken the kingdom from you and given it to another. David wasn't even born yet. So Saul was still on the throne. Arrogance and pride sometimes will creep up in your heart and say, well, it looks like everything's working out, so I must be in the will. You know you violated the sovereign order of God. Come on, you broke rank, you broke protocol, you were disrespectful, you were nasty, you were dishonorable. Come on, you, 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 you were unintegral, ungodly. You know you breached sovereign order for 12 years. David wasn't born until 12 years later. And, and, and it, still, it still wasn't for another 13 years. 20, no, no, 15 years. It was 27 years in total before Samuel ever went to Jesse's house to anoint David. Hear me. The will of God must be the most valuable thing in your life. God, whatever it takes to be in your will. Got to bite my tongue as long as I'm in your will. Got to hold my peace as long as I'm in your will. I got to miss that opportunity as long as I'm in your will. I, I, got, I got to miss out on my dream this, my dream that, as long as I'm in your will. I got to have drama and trouble and conflict and frustration right now, as long as I'm in your will. I will pay that price to be in your will because being in your will is worth it. I got to be separated from this, from that one, from this place, from that as long as I'm in your will. How can I do that? Because I trust I can't beat God's giving no matter how hard I try. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are he who stands at the beginning, calling the end. Father, you are the God that has given to us the gift of free will. Teach us, O oh God, how to honor your sovereign will. Teach us, O oh God, how to justify the cost. Father, even when it's difficult to see, to understand, teach us, O oh Lord. Father, our desire our heart's desire is to be pleasing unto you. So, Father, I pray that you would give us the desires. Give us what to desire. Father, when our heart rejects and doesn't want it, give us what to desire. We commit our ways to you. Father, we know that you won't force us. We know that you won't manipulate us. We know that you won't make it happen. So, Father, we yield ourselves. We submit it to you, trusting totally and completely in and on you. Now, God, I pray the grace, Father, that rests on me to be bent into your will, will be on your people. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare it, and it is so. Amen. Amen. Listen, the safest place to be is in the will of God. 
Let nothing get you out of it. I don't care who it is, what it is. Spend it now. You'll get it back later. I, I, don't, care, I don't care if it's your favorite stuffed animal. You got to let it go now. Let it go. I don't care if it's your best one day one. Let it go. I don't care if it's your firstborn child. Let it go. I don't care what it is. Husband, wife, mother, father, sister, brother. Love him more than you love them. It doesn't mean that you are against them. Doesn't mean you be against them. Hear me now. That's not what hate them means in Matthew the 19th chapter. That's not what it means. So hear me. Doesn't mean I got to, you know, just, just be cold and rude. I, I'm still violating God's order when I do that. No, that's not what it means. I mean, you must love him more. Well, when I love you, I love him. I love his will. So listen, either you're going to choose to be in his will and be with me, or you're going to choose to be out of his will and be apart from me. But I'm committed to being in his will. Are you hearing me? You can be with me. I don't think I'm telling you you can't be with me. But if you're going to be with me, you're going to have to be in his will. And hey, maybe his will for your life is not the same as his will for mine. That's what we release and trust God. All right. I got to go because I can teach on this all night. Love y'all to life. Peace.